Right. What is up, Twitch and fans of the Muddled Thoughts podcast? Uh, we are back from a hiatus for, what was it, about three months now? Yeah, the, it's, it was mm-hmm. like after Thanksgiving it's, is when I showed our last recording. Yeah, it's, it's been a minute, but we're back. In a hot minute. We're, we're back with a fresh new album. We're going to talk about it, spit some facts. <laughs> it's going to be a good facts. old time. Some truth bombs. <laughs> so I'm Max, and I'm joined with Ryan, and I'm Zach. So should we just tell Before, them what album we're gonna do, though? Well, I think they I already know. know because it's in the title, but also well, next to me. I mean, you surprise, can tell them. it's American Idiot. Hey. <laughs> surprise, surprise. But before we launch into that. We got to do the most important part of the whole, the whole thing. It's true. What's, and that is uh, what, it, what is it, Max? Sipping on. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Max, cut you off there. No, you're good. Thunder. You're, you're good. Um, what thunder? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Zach, you were holding up a bottle earlier. What were you showing us? I didn't even see what it was. Well, it's the. Uh, this is the the scotch that you got me, actually. The oh, was it? The Arbelure Speyside Single Malt. Oh, that was so good Space when we had side. it. Speyside Scotch is the best. Yeah, it's it's very good. It is a 16-year-old Scotch, double cask matured in American oak casks and sherry oak casks. And um, for a, I really like this Scotch because it is not like super peaty or smoky. There's not a lot of bite to it. It's it's a very easy drinking scotch as far as scotches go. So um, hmm. I'm not going to ask Max how much it costs, but I'm assuming that since it's a 16-year-old scotch, it's not on the cheap side, but it is no. very it's, good. It's not, it's, too, it's not too expensive. I thought I'd it was a really good value. 95, 105 range. I think I it was guess. a little bit, little bit under that. Okay. Well, you know. Max, what do you got? Something in a brown bottle. Yep. Um, so I'm switching it up just a tad um, for my usual. Going with a Moon Man this time. Moon Man. Nice. I saw Ooh. the paw print. And uh, yeah, I'm not much of a pale ale guy, um, but can't go wrong with the new Glarus. No. Good well, choice. I failed a little bit. I, uh, I don't have the bottle, but I'm drinking uh, some Old Elk Straight Blend Bourbon. Out of a mason jar. Ooh, do you know? So, do you know what the blend is? Um, I do not. I mean, normally straight bourbon, straight blended bourbon is a straight bourbon is a blend of bourbons to begin with. So then, if you blend multiple straights, it's just a melting pot of is, just whatever grain bills you want. <laughs> so it's, it's alcohol. <laughs> right but it's it's from fort collins colorado i think it's 88 proof i had a bunch of cash burning a hole in my wallet and found the uh allocated liquor cabinet at triggs <laughs> and spent a little bit of money on some bourbon so yeah that that sweet tax refund hit you <laughs> yeah <laughs> right. sounds, sounds good like everybody's man. well hydrated 
yeah, yeah we'll we'll see by the end of this how <laughs> how upright and hydrated we are <laughs> i feel like this is gonna be a long one boys i i if we can get through the first two songs on the album i i would consider that a win because the second one's a, a yep. bit of a long one that's my goal nice nice yeah I'm excited to be to be back, guys. Like Max, like you said, it's it was a long time since we uh, since we've recorded and we've done this, and I don't know. It feels it feels good to be back. That the same old familiar feeling, doing it once more. It was a lot of fun doing the really research does. for this. I don't know about you guys, but I had fun watching some some documentaries and looking into the band. Yep. I watched some live videos. I know after I was doing done doing my research. Last Saturday, I think I did it. Chelsea got home from work, and I I had no mental capacity left at all. I was like, I'm just so drained from everything that I discovered researching this album. Like, bedtime. It's a lot. It's a lot. And it's such a, it's a historic album, at least for you and me, Ryan. I, I would probably say the same for you too, Max, right? Yeah. I mean, this album, granted, I didn't, hear it when it came out but a couple or a few years after and that pretty much changed my whole genre my my favorite genre at the time was this band you know mm-hmm. yeah it is definitely good i know zach i mean you and i probably burnt through a couple copies of this cd that one summer the first time we listened to it it certainly felt though, like it yeah yeah even though it's been such a big part of our lives for that long, doing this research, I feel like I've never heard it before. Really? It's a whole like new I'm album I'm hearing it you. from a completely different perspective, yeah, because now I actually dig into it and know what he's talking about. So, I kind guess of a cool feeling. It was the same way for Hybrid Theory, though, when we went, for me at least, when we went through that album. Right. I felt like I was listening to it again for the first time. Agreed. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I totally, I know what you mean. Absolutely. I would just say it's almost like you're you're listening to the album from the completely different side, you know, like you're listening to one side where it's all like the melodies and things, and then the other side it's all like the lyrical content that you just you didn't read into when you listen to it normally. Right. We also have to consider the time frame here too, because when did this album come out? Was it like oh oh four? Four? Okay. I wanted to say oh three. Um but yeah. I before we even get into the songs, I wanted to just talk briefly about um the album cover. Because it's it's pretty straightforward, but I, I think it could have been a lot more as well. Mm-hmm. Um I'm trying to see if I can find my notes. I I distinctly remember that they spent a lot of time talking about what the what the cover should look like because of how different they thought this album was compared to some of their last stuff where yeah. um they considered it to be like a quote unquote rock opera essentially. Yeah. Let's see if I can find. Well, I know that's yeah, that's one of the biggest things is they they uh, kind of penned it as a, I don't even know what the word they used was. Like, uh, 
What's funny, looking at the cover, though, it says Green Day Presents American Idiot. Yeah. Like the whole yeah, I guess they show it as a rock opera. Yeah, just the word presents. I didn't even realize right. that was there, to be honest, until I just looked at it now. Where Where is that? Here, I, I got to look it up again now. Yeah, if you just look at the cover, it just says it says presents in it, which indicates that it's more than just an album, which it is, but I just, just oh, that yeah. wording. Oh, yeah, it does. You know, never noticed that. I'll be honest. How have I not, yeah. How have I not noticed that? That's crazy. Wow. Oh. All right. The more you know. Yeah. I just thought that it was kind of cool that they decided to go on something simplistic and uh, just for how complex this album is and how much is going on that they kept it simple was was a nice I don't know. It's a nice thing compared to some other other albums like Dookie, for example. Dookie is just yeah, odd. That, oh man, that I, album cover's got too much stuff going did, on. Zach, did I ever show you like how much? Did I show you the vinyl when I got it? Like how much stuff is on it? We did look at it for a little bit. Yeah, there's like it's a it's essentially a comic, but like there's almost probably I would say at least five hundred or thousand little different drawings inside of it. And there's like almost not stories, but little things that are just going on in each little corner that you're looking at. It's like, uh, like Where's Waldo? But in yeah, wa- Where's Waldo? But punk, just <laughs> southeast of Plymouth. Yeah. <laughs> like Where's Waldo? Um, decided to take some drugs, play yeah. some punk music. <laughs> yeah, Waldo on LSD. Right. That would be interesting. Why do I wear stripes, man? All right. You guys got anything else to add about the album itself before we dive into the into the songs? Um just a couple notes that I have here. Uh it sold two hundred and sixty seven thousand copies in its first week. So that's that's pretty good. That's <laughs> um, it. R- rookie numbers. Yeah, yeah right. Gotta bump it, those numbers well, up. <laughs> it charted in 27 countries, but it and it hit number one in 19 of the 27. Um, five platinum singles. Ooh. Do you, um, do you know the singles? Uh, I I had them in my notes. I don't know where they went. Uh, oh, American I, Idiot I try to Holiday. Guess oh, okay. Like yeah, got. I'll, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll pull them up here. You guess them. So I'm going with American Idiot and Holiday. Those are the first yep. two that I'm guessing. Um, hmm. What? A, maybe like a rebel? Maybe? No. 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 So in order of release, it's um, American Idiot, Boulevard of Broken Dreams, oh, Holiday, yeah. Wake Me Up, and then number five is Jesus of Suburbia. Oh, wow. Nine-minute song is a single. It's a single, yeah. That's, that's, that's pretty nuts. Well, like an EP. Um, wait, there's a radio you... edit that's three minutes shorter? 
What? What? How would you? What would you take out? Yeah, what would you do? That's six minutes shorter than. I don't know. That doesn't make any sense. There's a decent chunk in there. Yeah. Well, so it went from nine nine minutes and eight seconds album version to six minutes and twenty six seconds. Oh, okay. Sorry, that's what I meant. But um, yeah. Um, sorry, I just like what? Yeah. Got them like Did attempting you know to that... cut it down for radio. Yeah, yeah, it's the yeah. radio edit, but like they probably took out a lot of the instrumental interludes in between the different parts. I would assume. Yeah. Kind of splice verses into each other. Radio edits just doing bands dirty since God knows how long. Since forever. forever. Yeah. Did you guys know they had master recordings already recorded for an, another album in progress and they were stolen? So instead of recording that album over, they just wrote American Idiot instead. What? I did yeah, not those, know. Yeah, uh, those Cigarettes and Valentines. Yeah, Cigarettes and Valentines. The master recordings were stolen so the producer decided that instead of recording the same tracks over they would just make a new album did those ever get released or found somewhere i don't know i don't think so i don't think so either i think they were just whoever stole them did with them what they wanted there's just they, somebody um, that was out there who had a whole green day albums like yeah keeping these these are mine now right selfish bastard um did you well zach have you listened to awesome as uh awesome as fuck the album the live album no i have not so they played cigarettes and valentines i'm assuming the title track or single from that album that they didn't release Hmm. so um that's really cool yeah you should check um, that out check it out I also found it interesting that they they set up a pirate radio station from their recording studio while they were recording American Idiot and broadcasted their jam sessions and just prank called people. Man, that sounds like the quintessential Green Day right there. (laughs) Right? Because they were just so bored with the monotonous day-to-day of recording. They just decided, you know what? Screw it. It's going to hijack the radio waves. Well, that was the one thing that I kept thinking as I was doing some research for this was that these guys really did not take it. It really didn't seem like they took like touring or I don't know, even like the recording process super seriously. The writing seemed like it was serious, but just about everything else was kind of just off the rails and nuts. I don't know. Right. Seemed Agreed. almost unorganized, but yet we have this album here that is anything but. I was gonna say, look at the the you know the product that came out of that process. I feel like if they didn't have the excitement and passion they did to record this, I don't think it would be this album. You know, because mm-hmm. right. I think it's so personal to Billy Joel Armstrong that like. It it couldn't possibly be just another album because of how personal it is. Well, the title track was inspired by the news that Billy Joe was watching in 
the airport or something. I don't remember. But he ran back to the studio and started to write these lyrics down and asked the rest of the band if, like, you know, they were offended by, you know, the implication of American idiot. And they're like, nope, just go. So this whole track was, I think it was done after the rest of the album was already penned. So the title track was the last one to be made. Yeah, because, well, and if you think about it, it doesn't tie into the story at all. Mm-hmm. It very like much the rest starts of the, with Jesus of Suburbia. Yeah, the rest of the songs are the, you know, biography of the Jesus of Suburbia. American Idiot has nothing to do with anything. It kind of, like, sets the stage, maybe, or, like, is the, the backdrop, of. in a way. Yeah, it gives you the, the feeling of, you know, just a cluster. But, yeah. I like it. <laughs> oh, I forgot to mention, this was the first CD that I ever owned. First album CD that I bought with my own money. Fun fact. Really? Really? Yeah. Um, Max, you know Eddie, Eddie Ehrenhorster. Eddie yeah. had this album, and I remember him bringing it to elementary school, and we listened to it on, like, a... CD player at recess. I'm like, that's pretty cool, man. So I went yeah. and got it. Saved up my my birthday money or my chore money. Went and went and got it. What did your um? What did what did Mama Green you think about it? Uh, she's like, this is the one you want, huh? And I'm like, <laughs> yep. Like, okay. Are, are you sure? I'm like, yep. And, I, <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> I remember I had this like this stereo system in my room on top of like the the TV stand, right? And I was playing it, and because this album has like some different swears and stuff, I remember like standing up and getting out of my bed and turning it down so that it didn't play all the the swear words super loud. <laughs> that had to be exhausting in Jesus of Suburbia. Oh, we just I just didn't listen to that song for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Waited till mom mom was gone getting groceries. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I can listen. Yes, yes. Well, do you remember the dusty, broken down boombox that we listened to that album on at my dad's house? Do I remember it quite fondly? Just on loop. It. I wish we had some kind of counter to know how many times we listened to it, but it's it's. Oh my god. I bet you it's in the hundreds. I had to guess. It's got to be. It's got to be. And then we take it down the hill to Father's house and just start from where we left off. Like, remember the minutes and seconds in the song? Good times, man. Good times. It, it was simpler times. Right. All right. Well, do we want to launch into uh, track number one? Let's do it, man. I'm I'm ready. All right. I don't have the most notes for this just because like I mentioned before it seems like it was kind of an afterthought but mm-hmm. um Next, I do get... you want to do you want to play it for everybody? Yeah, we'll yeah. start from the beginning.
So you kind of get the gist of the the feel of the song, even from just that 30 seconds. It's like the the frustration and anger against the media and whatnot and the government, I I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like the opening lines essentially just imply that the citizens of America are being sometimes somewhat blindly brainwashed and controlled by the media, uh, whether that be the social media or the news media. Hence the the uh, the line, the subliminal mindfuck. I mean, mm-hmm. it's happening, but nobody knows. Exactly. It's like a just people are. I don't know if they're unaware of it or maybe they just don't care either. It's maybe it's a little bit of both. Right. They're just so caught up in the day to day life. And I mean, this was written right after 9-11. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, the country at the time was in its state of recovery and chaos and things were just going on that nobody really was paying attention to. Yeah. I was wondering how long it was going to take for us to mention 9-11 because it. Yeah. I mean. It it really is a it's a very significant event in American history at this point, and it yeah it it had a very heavy influence on this album in general, but uh, this first song even more so in my opinion. Right, I mean it was written, or this album was released nine days after the attacks. Mm-hmm. So, you get, I'm, yeah, I, I, I guess, I don't know that the rest of the album was inspired by that, but this song was definitely echoing kind of the, the atmosphere. Yeah, it seems like half of it is about the media and, and, uh, just life after 9 11, and other half is just about, Billy, Billy Joe's bringing up and childhood slash, you know, you know, bringing up as like a teen, I guess. Right. So I was wrong. It says here, Billy Joe Armstrong was inspired to write this after hearing a Leonard Skinner song being played on his car radio while driving to the studio. He told Q Magazine... It was like, I'm proud to be a redneck. And he said, oh, my God, why would you be proud of something like that? So he wrote it kind of against the blue-collar southern culture, I guess. Mm, interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I get that. I get that. There's a lot of people who are very proud that they're American or, I don't know, just whatever they're whatever they identify with, whether it doesn't even have to be Southern or Northern, whatever the, the, the common theme is they're American. Right. But right. It's, it's like you said, in some cases, why would you be proud of that? Like there's so much, there's negative that comes along with it too. Mm-hmm. But, so in a way that's, that's really highlighting that here. Yeah. It's, so, Max, what did you you had something that you mentioned earlier about the the second verse with the play on words? Yep. We heard a little bit of that before when you were playing the the song. What what was that? So it was the um alienation. Mm-hmm. So um mm. alien nation as in like a nation of immigrants. 
but also alienation as in like the single word yeah. separation of being alienated from... yeah yeah i just got that right now jimmy neutron over there wow. yeah right brain blast big brain <laughs> brain blast sound bite idea max <laughs> ran that down Write that down, write that down. <laughs> That's us. Yeah. That's an oval. It has to be a circle. Jesus. SpongeBob resurfaces again. <laughs> me but me yeah. over here taking notes like this. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that is a really good. Uh, I didn't even notice that. I don't know if the alienation. I don't. I wonder if that's actually something he tried to include in the song, or if that's just something that we're interpreting. Mm-hmm. Because I think it was probably deliberate. Yeah, mm-hmm. it seems like too close to not be deliberate in this case. Right. I mean, if, I think if there's, not, what a happy accident. I think there's other, that I can't think of right now, but there's got to be other forms of dual meaning or plan words throughout the Double whole album. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, so. We'll probably find some as we go through everything. I'm sure. If it's anything like the last album, we're going to have sudden realizations all over the place. Did you guys watch the music video beforehand? Yes. I did not. Okay. Um, did you notice anything symbolic throughout the music video, Ryan? Um, I'm going to have to say no, because it was quite a few days ago. So I don't okay. quite remember. So a couple of things I noticed, because I just wanted to point this out, because I want to think, I, I want to see if you guys think this is interesting. So the flag, you know, that backdrop of the green American flag in the background? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. It only has 48 stars. Ah. Oh, are I we see that. are we just yep. are we making fun of Alaska and Hawaii or what's going on? I don't. <laughs> that's what I thought at first. I'm like, damn, just don't care about the other outland states. But um, no, it's I think it goes back from pre World War One, like a po- pre war America. Mm. I think they're trying to promote that kind Revert. of yeah. Like a different time, essentially. A different time, yeah, before the world wars happened. Hmm. Hmm. Um, so that was the uh, the flag design of that time period. I think pre what nineteen sixteen. Um. Yeah. Also, the that like green slime liquid that comes out. Um, is I think a lot of. A lot of people are saying that it has to do with the um, toxicity of, like, the media because of the cameras Mm. behind it. It's kind of just, like, portraying their own, I guess, message about the media, I think, throughout the whole music video. Oh, Mm. okay. I see what you mean. Yeah. Hmm. Also. I was going to say, I wonder what the, the color scheme was about. Yeah, I think it just has to do with the toxicity of 
of that media and their, I guess, their agenda, I guess. I mean, they I, are I called Green Day as well. So I thought that's maybe... also true. Maybe uh, unintentional double meaning. <laughs> right. Double entendre. Fun fact. So the guy who directed it was Sam Bayer, who did Bullet in a Bible. But he did, he's like a pretty big music video guy. So he did mm-hmm. Smells Like Teen Spirit. Ooh. He did My Mom Coming Home by Ozzy. Hell yeah. Candlebox's You. Okay. Um, a okay. song by Rush I actually haven't listened to before, Stick It Out. Yep. It's a good song. Uh, Until It Sleeps, Metallica. Uh, Damn, this guy's been around. Yeah. yeah, he did No Rain by Blind Melon. Oh, yeah, that too. Another banger. Yeah, so this guy knows good, good shit. He's been around. Yeah. So, I, I don't know, I thought... I always watched that like when I was a kid. I don't know if you've ever been to, I think it was greendayvideos.net or .com or something. And they had every single video you could think of. Plus, they had live videos that I've never seen before from like 91, 1990, like the really old stuff. Mm-hmm. And like I saw the music video. I'm like, this is so like bizarre. It's cool, but it's like bizarre. And I didn't really understand the whole political part of it. At the time, because I was like, what, 10? Yeah, right. When I heard it. Yeah. It's like, what's, what's left wing? What's right wing? I think right. that's part of the reason as well why this is a totally, almost a new album like you were saying earlier, Ryan. Politics really didn't have much influence on uh, our day-to-day lives when we were that young, at least not for me. So right. no. keeping that type and of stuff just... in mind now. I feel like just in general, politics didn't have a lot of play back then. I mean, it was 2004. There wasn't social media. The news was just the news. There wasn't a lot of, you know, corruption or, you know, leaning one way or another. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, so I was just curious because it came to my head. Because um, that was like kind of before MySpace was really big. MySpace wasn't really big until 05, which is kind of funny because that's right, you know, of course, when American Idiot came out, just late 04. So it was a perfect time for it to be part of that whole social media upbringing, Mm -hmm. gain popularity. And a lot of people could relate to that, that feeling and message that you get from listening to the album. Yeah, both good and bad, I think, that comes with that. Is with social media comes increased communication and being better connected to people. But I would say as of late, we've seen the real negative part of social media too. Oh yeah. Just, I think it just keeps getting worse and worse. That's part of the, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. part of the, um, I don't know what you, I don't know what you call it, but just thinking negative negatively, but at the same time, it's true. Just the over communication of things and a bunch of other things, which is, story for a different time but i agree that it was kind of predating the whole boom of facebook and twitter and all that stuff mm-hmm. but it was kind of a glimpse into a into a different future once it became really big right and so i think that that really mirrors the overall message that's in american idiot 
Um, the line, like, welcome, th there's a couple lines. So welcome to a new kind of tension, and then television dreams of tomorrow. Um, so again, and then this other thing. Um, oh, and then for that's enough to argue. So those three lines, it really, it really marks how both media communication and then just how we all view each other has changed and sometimes for good, but then also sometimes for bad where like misinformation and the media, like they, again, they're always thinking of the next way to make money or what they're going to say the next day, regardless of whether it's true or not. And I think that really comes out here where it's just the frustration and the anger of how things have changed now. And it goes back to the, the music right. video with the flag too, going mm -hmm. back to post or pre world war, like very different time. Obviously the methods of communication that we had were very different in a way it's right. simpler, but also people were less informed. So it, I don't know. It, there's a lot to give and take on both sides, but I can definitely see and feel the, the frustration that comes along with from those three lines. Um, one of my notes that I want to get your guys' opinion on to see if I'm somewhat on the right track here. So, well, maybe I'm the faggot America. I'm not a part of a redneck agenda. Do you think that's like a direct implication of being of one political ideology and not the other? Um, I think... Just, I think it has to just do with being stereotypes as like left wing. Like if you're like either just, so there's two things I got from that. Um, one, someone was just saying that he might be disenfranchised. So he may be considered left wing. I don't know if that's exactly it, but he's, but Billy Joe in the past has identified as, as bi, as bisexual. Right. Yep. So it might be somewhat literal and also being stereotyped as a liberal because of that identification. And right. then also saying he doesn't want to be part of the right-wing agenda, which is what right. he believed Blue the collar. media was... Yeah, the media was trying to push as... I don't know. The Amer American ideology. Right. Well, yeah. Also, just... you can also consider the other definition of it where it it's technically is a bundle of sticks so he's maybe he's comparing like himself to the majority or like a group of people right maybe yeah. saying okay maybe i am part of the collective way of thinking yeah, or, part, or way of doing part things. of the bunched together citizenry right so it again right. another thing that could possibly have dual meaning here yeah maybe he's right. part of that that uh community i guess like or so or something like that but he, he's clarifying i guess on the next line that he's not part of what the media wants him to be believe in right yeah could be Which today or. is a completely different situation obviously right. <laughs> so yes yeah. about all i got on american idiot guys yeah, that's I don't have a whole lot more digging. Um let's see. I did say about when he says now everybody do the propaganda. Um pretty simple line 
just think talking about he but I don't really see how because I wasn't really brought up at that age or I wasn't that age at the time so I didn't really understand politics in that era but he's comparing essentially saying fascist ideas that were part of the American government at the time right and sing along to the age of paranoia is basically just mirroring the hysteria that was going on right around the events of this around the release of this album so right i was saying like singing along kind of like how everyone would sing along as a group and that group is the one that's you know affected emotionally from the attacks and the coverage that just kind of made everyone kind of in a permanent state of state of fear you know right Mm-hmm. but yeah. yeah i just it's funny i put in the notes too um it's like yeah we were like eight zach and i at least i mean you might have been nine zach but ryan you were like what 12 12 yeah yep yeah so yeah i kind of remember things but i don't know other than the 9-11 attacks i don't know what was going on politically when i was 12 yeah bush (laughs) yeah george w also, um, with the music video, I forgot to add this. So there's cameras that are pointing at the band the whole time, but there's no crew. I wonder if that's kind of a a message about maybe painting the media as soulless or humanless, I guess, or just being, yeah, you know, wow. not people, dehumanizing them. I like that. Yeah. Okay, Max. Look at you over there, Mr. Fancy Pants music video <laughs> Cause knowledge. Because like, I don't know if you've seen the music video for like Redundant and like um and like uh what's that what's that song off Insomniac? Walking Contradiction, where there's a whole yep. bunch of people and stuff. Like they could have had like a camera crew um or something like that, but they decided just to have the band all by themselves. <laughs> so I feel it feel like it's almost like they're being alienated. Oh, oh. <laughs> I feel like we discussed that before. Hey. Hey. <laughs> but that's that's all I got. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of things in there, hidden meanings and double entendres, but I don't know. It's a good song, man. It's a good song. I I it's definitely not my favorite on the album, but I would say it's Maybe top top three or four. Are we, are we are we doing a rating system for this album? We might have to. We might, I think we, we might should have do to go back in post and. I think once we discuss, should we do a pre somewhat pre discussion rating and then a post, or should we just do a post post discussion rating? Hmm. I mean, remember we changed our minds. We did. We did. I, that might theory. be fun. We could do a pre and a post. I'd say that could be something we could do tonight or, you know, something after we finish the first part of this episode or, you know, first episode of this album. Mm -hmm. And then we can talk about the pre one. And then once we're done, we'll talk about the post one. Cause that again, talking about those meanings and hybrid theory really changed. I know it did for you guys too. It changed the whole, Mm -hmm. the whole album for me. Yep. Yep, definitely. I know discussing this throughout 
the episodes that we're going to do. It's going to change it for me as well. It already has from the the couple songs that I've researched extensively already. Right. Uh, All right, well. I, 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 <laughs> what now? I, I was about to say, like, oh, I, I don't know if I'm ready to go down this rabbit hole again. Don't know if I'm ready, but we're going to go. I don't know regardless. either, dude. Just after the first song, we're 40 minutes in. We've only covered American Idiot. Oh, uh, another thing. <laughs> oh, my fu- God. No, it's just go. a fact. <laughs> it's, just a, it's just a research thing. So, um, so when the line, can you hear the sound of hysteria? So, actually, New England Journal of Medicine did a study, and half of the American people that were part of the study said that they experienced symptoms of anxiety and depression after the 9-11 attacks. Hmm. I mean, that, that makes sense, I guess. It's, it's a traumatic I mean, experience. Was, yeah. So I just wonder if he was thinking about, just thinking about the people in that line, about that kind of mentality throughout the people that he conversed with and just was around at the time i guess it was just a another thought when i was listening to that song again hmm. Hmm. i agree hmm, hmm. indeed hmm. Hmm, yes quite i feel like i need a pipe <laughs> yeah especially with the way you're holding your microphone over there yeah right <laughs> It's like you're holding like a, a wine glass. glass in the other hand, like hmm. what happened to your the microphone boom arm that I that I got you? I don't know where the clamp is to Uh-oh. attach it to stuff. What? How do you lose the clamp? That's like half the thing. I have a two year old. <laughs> and I have a Jordan, all right? So <laughs> hey. I hope she's not listening. All right. Don't, right. don't tell her I said that. I'll find it. I'll find it. We'll be okay. Dare we move on to Jesus of Suburbia? I think we should. I don't want to, but I think we should. <laughs> I'm ready. My body is ready. Oh. Oh. All right. All right. Let's play the beginning. And it's hard not to sing the lyrics, guys. Oh my god. It's, it's hard not to jump to that. It's so it's so powerful and so energetic. I must say that I've listened to this album probably 30 times since last Saturday when I finished my notes. 30 times? Probably. I played it on loop <laughs> twice at work. You're wild dude. this week. Wild. It hit me a lot harder after. I did the research. All right, so 
Who wants to start where? <laughs> Max, start at the mm. end. We're going to Tarantino this. Yeah, right? No, yeah. <laughs> we're not doing that. <laughs> I just meant, um, you know, which point are we bringing out from the beginning, I guess. But So, I mean, the first couple lines is pretty self-explanatory. Oh, to us, self-explanatory to us. So I'm the son of Rage right. and Love, the Jesus of Suburbia. So the Rage and Love, um, which I think comes out in later the album as well, but um, his father's rage and his mother's love. So he's the son yep. of those two uh, emotional sides. I got like and, broken and his home mom and dad. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Literally. Broken home and a separation as, as a result of the rage that comes with the you know, the day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. The, the line that I don't understand from the first set here is, no one ever died for my sins in hell. What, what is I that? Actually, <laughs> I actually put uh, the line underneath that one. I'm just like, not sure what this means, to be honest. <laughs> I, I wanted to hear had, what you guys had to say. I had the same thought. I kind of put, I'm not really sure, but then I thought about it. No one ever died for my sins in hell, I think, means to me that at, when he was younger, he did a lot of shit that, you know, isn't necessarily good. A lot of stuff that probably broke some laws, went against the rules of society, but it wasn't affecting anyone because no one knew. Yeah, I think the line, at least the ones I got away with, I think almost humanizes it in a way to make it seem like he's talking about his childhood or his upbringing. About yeah, just like doing some he, dumb shit as a kid. Okay, did normal, yeah. normal teenage stupid shit. But it, the ones that his parents didn't become aware of didn't affect anybody. You know, so so he's saying like I did some dumb shit, but no one got hurt in the process. Right, I think is kind of the general idea. Of no that harm, line. no foul. Yeah. Yeah, and the line before it too, he says soda pop and Ritalin, like it's a con- contrast of being young and like as a kid, but then also doing dumb, stupid shit with drugs or wh- whatever the case may be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I thought it was a hint at the medicated, unhealthy culture of the world, so I went a little bit deeper, but um, because a lot of kids have an unhealthy lifestyle at home, and rather than correcting that unhealthy lifestyle that causes the problem the parents just take them to the doctor and get them medicated mm-hmm. yeah I'm, I'm sure so he had something had some type of um some feeling about that being popular well because ritalin is prescribed for adhd but mm-hmm. adhd could be misdiagnosed as just hyperactivity which is caused by soda or sugar or caffeine so it's kind of a misdiagnosis. Yeah. Yeah, I'll I'll get a little personal here. That that's a very um Hold on. All right. <laughs> I'll get a little personal here. So that was a very similar situation to what happened to me when I was in elementary school. I I remember talking to my mom about this where she said that they wanted to diagnose me with ADHD or, or, or something. And um, it, it was really just that I wasn't being challenged in school, essentially. It was like I was doing fine in school. There wasn't anything wrong. It was just that, you know, I was, I was bored 
right? So like you said, that that's totally possible. And if you if we take it a step further now and then go into the next verse here, then there's nothing wrong with me. This is how I'm supposed to be. He's acknowledging the fact that he's done all this this stuff and maybe he's a little bit different, but he's accepting that, you know, this is who he is and that's people need to be accepting of that fact as well. Yeah. I had for and there's nothing wrong with me. This is how I'm supposed to be ahead. He's saying that his problems are normal for the kids of the era. He doesn't have to change. He just blends in with, you know, the normal people of society. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I mean, basically echoing what you said, but just from a slightly different angle. What I think is interesting is how the the third and fourth lines in a land of make-believe that don't believe in me that's the that's the part that really gets me because I think it, in a way it relates back to American Idiot, the first song, and saying that things are really not geared towards anybody who's different or to be different. You know, it's it's all about that that herd mentality or just going going along with the group in this case. Mm. Right. Um, so with that line as well, in the land of make-believe, so that was what the puppet show in Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood was called. That's right. So maybe he sees that everyone around him is like a puppet in a way and feels outcasted from everybody. (laughs) Big brain. Big brain. I, I researched that and I realized that Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood was kind of like the popular kids' show around his generation. So it's oh. quite possible he's referencing that. I guess we got to wear some so, nice sweaters for next episode, huh? <laughs> so now, neighborhood. <laughs> American <laughs> Idiot ties into the story. A little bit. I, again, what I said was a bit of a stretch. I. I I maybe, but I would say that's that's reaching a little bit. I I don't know. That's I didn't think of I didn't even think of the fact that the puppets in Land of Make Believe. Yeah, I didn't realize that either until someone mentioned it on just a website I was looking at researching and um I was like, wow, that's that's pretty symbolic, and, and that might be reaching, honestly, but again, the, the facts kind of add up if you think about, like I was saying, the generation that that show was airing at and his age, his, his generation, so, you know. Right. It does make sense, contextually speaking. Oh, I'd, I'd buy it. I'd buy it. If he said that, I'd be like, all right, yeah, that makes sense. And, and you realize the next line is, get my television fixed. Mr. Rogers was on TV. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. and then the the line next, sitting on my crucifix. I I don't know what to think about that one. I thought about that, and so Jesus on the crucifix was nailed there, mm-hmm. um, out of his own control, not under his own power, couldn't leave. So sitting on my crucifix. Is that a like symbol for being stuck in his home? Yeah. Could be. You know, his parents don't let him leave. He's just, all he has is television. 
to experience the outside world and what exists outside of his own realm. Maybe it's yeah, just the, a euphemism for being a couch potato. It's <laughs> like, a pretty extreme euphemism, shit. <laughs> he's sitting on it. The couch is his crucifix, all right? He's sitting there. He's watching TV, Mom, watching Mom, Mr. I feel Rogers. locked here. I feel like I'm nailed to this fucking couch. Can't go anywhere <laughs> on my own. The next line, though, the living room on my private womb. What do you think about that one? The living, the living room, room or, or my, my private, private womb. womb. Jinx. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jinx, you owe me so to pop riddle in. I don't, I mean, Got him. obviously, I think the living room is probably just the living room. Like, I think that's just, I don't think that's key for anything, but my private womb. Like the couch, maybe? As in, like. Yeah, or his. Or just, I don't, I don't know. Or it feels safe. Sometimes you get a real comfy up. couch, man, and you yeah. that could be leave. like any any place of safety. You know, like mm-hmm. if he's in his bedroom with the door closed, or you know, a, a spot he's got downstairs in the basement, or or how you consider you like know. the womb where you're developed. You know, as you know, as you know, sperm to a baby or whatever. You. Um, so, but but, if you but tie think that about in... to being developed okay. on the couch because that's where you learn and like grow up is on the couch watching TV, rather than from like yeah. your parents or significant people in your life. You're learning yeah. from TV in this case. Yep. If you go to the next line while the moms and brads are away, the living room could be the house or my private womb could be anything within his understanding of the world. So it could be learning outside of the house because if the parents are away, he can do whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. True. Just like me listening to the, the album when my mom was getting groceries, you know? Play yeah. those right. those swears. Didn't have, didn't have to turn. Yep. Didn't have to turn on the the bad words. Yep. Um, also, the mom and Brad's. I think was the Brad's thing being how you don't. That sometimes refer to your stepdads as dad, essentially. Call them right. by their yep. first name. That's what I had too. Mm-hmm. I agree. In my notes. I agree. Okay, so what's next? To to fall in love and fall in debt. And fall in debt. So I had kind of a double meaning for that, too. Um, So to fall in love and fall in debt to alcohol and cigarettes. So is falling in love linked to a fallout at the end and a lot of stress and, you know, the debt caused by heavy drinking? Is it a reference to his parents' life and marriage? Um, I wrote be- because the, ne- the next line kind of ties to it. The and Mary Jane to keep me insane, doing someone else's cocaine. I think that kind of all has like a meaning altogether. So I said, f- kind of, I feel like he's feeling like he needed drugs to survive, but thinking also like it owes. He owes it something for being there when he needed an escape from reality. Do mm. you think maybe he just okay. didn't want to 
confront what his reality was. Maybe like his situation at home wasn't good. Maybe. Yeah. Because then in that in that context, someone else's cocaine would be leaving the house to go party and feel like you're actually a part of something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, beyond just what it lit- literally means. <laughs> right. Actually go somewhere and get out of that situation. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I honestly I I don't know. I think that's this is another thing that's like the beauty of this album. A lot of the different lines are left to interpretation in some way unless you had right like the ability to ask them directly ask billy joel like hey what is this line about that'd be pretty fucking sweet but like here we're gonna have billy joel calling for the podcast today no big deal right um all right we'll hear from him later (laughs) none of us are joe rogan so i don't think that's gonna happen unfortunately a guy named joe now we're going to do an ad for Traeger Grills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Got to get my dad in for that one. <laughs> All I know is like the green egg grills, okay? Those ones are <laughs> apparently super sweet. <laughs> they're pretty They're pretty awesome. Shout out to my dad. Oh, Ryan, I don't know if you've talked to my dad recently. He has like eight grills at home right now. <laughs> That's not even I an exaggeration. I saw a picture he posted on Facebook, and there were at least four. <laughs> He's got so many grills, man. I, Who's I, he grilling for? He's, He's just like bored. T-Pain. He's bored. All the grills. Oh, got him. It's like bear. <laughs> like bear grills. All the grills. <laughs> got in his name. I, I don't maybe, know. Maybe he's born with it. <laughs> Maybe it's gasoline. <laughs> we don't, it's only propane. Only propane. propane. Dang it, propane Bobby. And propane accessories. <laughs> I gotta go watch King of the Hill. I love the um Dad, what if they say they like their steak well done? We ask them firmly but politely to leave. <laughs> to leave. <laughs> what, are we, what are we talking about? Guys? What are we talking about? An album? Yeah. All right. Does anybody have anything else to do with part one of Jesus of Suburbia? So, like, before in a land of make believe that don't believe in me. That's all I got, man. Because we're getting... Okay. So then part two is called City of the Damned. And it starts at the center of the earth in the parking lot of a 7-Eleven. That's, that's a pretty interesting location. Where I was taught. Yeah, right? Um... So apparently the seven eleven in um the Oakley or whatever where he was where he was raised, um, apparently was commonly a place to hang out. So he I guess in- inevitably learned a lot of things from the other kids he was growing up with by that hangout spot. So he's a loiterer is what you're saying. 
loitering. Uh, unless you unless you buy something, you're not technically lo- you know, loitering. You know, breaking the law. Breaking, breaking the, the law. law. Grabbing a pop rocks. Pop rock and coke. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> God, we're nerds, <laughs> right? I um, I don't. I'm trying to figure out what the line the model was just a lie means was it 7-eleven's motto was it any motto that anyone has um if it's the latter i feel like that implies that any motto that anyone has is only meant to give off and like a like an elevated image of their personality and morals so like models are just meant to make you seem like a good person and then you can do whatever the hell you want so the the motto was just a lie i think that ties into the next the next line, though, where it says, it says home is where your heart is, but what a shame because everyone's heart doesn't beat the same. It's beating out of time. I said, I said it insinuates that it doesn't feel like everyone's on the same wavelength, wavelength as he is uh, uh, compared to everyone else that he's around in his hometown. Hmm. Yeah, because I suppose home is where your heart is could be con- yeah. considered a model. So, At least that's how I took it. With everyone's heart doesn't beat the same, I was wondering, like, is there not one single definition of home? I mean, and why is it beating out of time? Does that mean he feels off pace with everyone around him? Is he in the wrong era? Is he not progressing through life? At, like, quickly enough? I mean, what? there's so many things. Maybe it has to do with where... And what you think is important with life, like when you when you really like something, you put your heart and your soul into it, right? So that's true. It says home is where your heart is. So maybe that's not quite literally home. Maybe that's like what your purpose or your meaning and what you want to do in life is. But right again, I think saying like, but what is shame? everybody's heart doesn't beat the same. And the fact that everybody has different, you know, motivations and um, places they want to go in life. It it would be really nice if everybody had the same kind of motivations and they wanted to accomplish the same goals. Cause then I, I think people would probably be on the same page and understand each other a lot more, but because everybody comes from different places, um, it often makes things difficult and to, tie that into the whole theme you see that more with like the media and again what people talk about on on social media and just in conversation so it's i think that's where the what a shame comes in is that it would be really nice if we could all get along and maybe think in a similar way but not in this case not not in this case it's it's different right that's what I is got this, out of it. Going off of that, is it is everyone's heart doesn't beat the same, implying that the people he's hanging out with at that Seven Eleven in his hometown don't necessarily have his own share his views, mm-hmm. and is this the beginning of the realization that he needs to get out? Needs you know, to leave the he, suburbia. Yeah, people don't have his best interest in mind. I think we might be on to something here. I'm 
one of the notes that I read said that it's a reference to him getting in a fight and realizing that maybe people didn't like him as much as he had hoped. Ooh, interesting. Hmm. I uh I so. I don't know. So to go to um in my notes I wrote after watching the documentary for Bullet and Bible and then Heart Like a Hand Grenade, they mentioned specifically that Jesus of Suburbia is not it again, is not specifically about Billy Joel, but it could be, which I thought was interesting. <laughs> because there's so many parallels drawn that it really seems like it is, but they they said it is not about him specifically. So Interesting. Want to keep that in mind. Sounds like yeah, an ex- it's probably just an eccentric version of maybe who he thought he was, or mm, maybe yeah. who he could have been at the time. Okay. Yeah, almost like maybe, he kind of well, like I don't know, just maybe exaggerated his situation at the time to get the point across. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll save that most recent thought that I just had for later in the in the song. Oh, all right. Man, we got really hung up on that section. <laughs> we didn't even yeah, talk right. about like the, the mini chorus going on here. City of the Dead. Is that, yeah, I mean. City, City of, of the, the dead. dead. At the end of another lost highway, signs misleading to nowhere. Is he living in a city with no opportunities to grow or move away? Does Is City of the Dead implying that he's living among people that have no hopes or aspirations or personalities. Everybody's just living the day to day. Yeah. I think this comes from the whole like suburbia and like group mentality thing is that everybody's just kind of, they're complacent with what's going on. Right. There's not really a whole lot of aspiration for anything different. And signs misleading to nowhere gives me a feeling of like false hopes. Hmm. Like there's there's opportunities that present themselves, but there's actually nothing there. I mean, you it's either unattainable or it takes too much effort to attain. Like maybe in the context of the situation, it seems like it's a good opportunity, but at the end of the day, even if you did accomplish that goal, what what's it gonna give you, right? You're not going to be in any different situation. You're still going to be in the same old town with the same old people, and nothing's going to change. Right. That's, um, that's what I'm getting. Overall feelings of hopelessness is what I'm getting out of this. Yeah. Right. Um, I have something for the next verse with City of the Damned, unless you guys have something else for the City of the Dead lines. Max, I thought um, I originally thought that maybe that line was him saying he was leaving, but maybe it doesn't insinuate that because of the of the actual last line of the song. Yeah, like I, the I very very last line or the very yeah, last where he says part. you're you're leaving home. Like maybe that's when he's oh leaving. Well, that's but that's. I don't know. I, I'm not sure what to feel about that line, to be honest. Was that what your comment was on earlier, Ryan? 
Where, where leaving home that's like way down isn't it yeah yeah like like the complete end of, you're leaving yeah i yeah, leaving okay, home so the, this the end of this part yeah okay or the song yeah track yeah um, in, um sorry to cut you off ryan i just thought okay. with like the the thematic elements and the storytelling going on here in heart like a hand grenade in the documentary they mentioned that the album is really broken down into the three parts in like a story again in like a right. like a rock opera where Jesus of, yep. of suburbia is the storytelling of not liking their life or their situation that they're in the album then goes where they leave and they go to this city to escape the situation that they're in and the third part is finally finding that you know city is full of all these different problems that it's it's just new stuff that they have to deal with essentially. So that's that's what they said that the album is broken up into is like those three different thematic parts. Keep in mind, right? So, City of the Damned, Lost Children with Dirty Faces today. I feel like, um, I feel like that's a hint towards leaving less privileged privileged children in despair and like really having no intention of improving their situation, which may be a nod to his childhood where he had, you know, the parents constantly fighting the broken home and nobody wanted to reach in Mm -hmm. and help him. But also it could be a broader spectrum to anybody impoverished or homeless or anybody in, Mm the kind of situation where they feel helpless, nobody wants to come in and help them move forward. So I feel like it's, it's specific, but broad at the same time. Yeah. I feel like if he were to explain the lyrics himself, he would be able to say the double meaning of it. But I, I, I think you're right that it's, it's broad and specific within two different two similar point of views right it has to do with you know maybe poverty stricken stricken um kids but also i guess what else what you what what you're saying as well yeah it's just it it seems like he's addressing personal issues but at the same time trying to bring light to the issues with society as a whole mm-hmm. in this song. So it's kind of a, a multi-purpose. Right. And if we go a little bit further too, I, I'll read the next couple of verses here where it says, I read the graffiti in the bathroom stall, like the, lo- like the holy scriptures of a shopping mall. And so it seemed to confess. It didn't say much, but it only confirmed that the center of the earth is the end of the world, and I could really care less. So further further going along that whole point where I'm not happy with what they're saying, but in the situation, um, the, the conventional wisdom here is, is <laughs> in the end, what is the thing that really matters? And it, it is the end. It's where, where you end up. But... Um, right saying that he doesn't really care, doesn't really care where he ends up. He's, 
he's here for the now and he's here for what he can do and he's not happy with it. So is this the the beginning of his depression and realizing that you know, it doesn't really matter where he is, he's going to have the same end point no matter what. So whether he stays in his hometown or runs out to the streets, it doesn't really matter. It's the same end point. I, I think Go ahead, Max. I think it might be a progression towards his like demise, I guess, into depression. But I think he's trying to escape into his own lifestyle that he feels like he belongs in mm. to have the maybe I wouldn't say the best life that he can, but the life I think he belongs in. And I would mm. I would be hesitant to say depression in this case because if if he really truly was depressed i don't know that he would have built up like the courage or the the energy to leave the situation that he's in yes yep so i i don't think it's quite there yet i think it's hinging on that but i i don't think we're we're really quite there sure so how oh Another spur-of-the-moment realization. So, I read the graffiti in the bathroom stall, like the lonely scriptures. I don't know what the holy scriptures of a shopping mall is referencing, I th- but... There's something to that. I think it's how... how it, so, in the beginning of the song, he was saying that, um, you know, the Bible of none of the above. So, he doesn't doesn't live by any religious you know words or anything but um the holy scripture of the shopping mall i think the stuff that's painted graffitied on those walls are usually pretty um you know rebellious phrases or things that you would say as like an outcast to try to spread around so he probably read those things like fuck the blah 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 fuck the government and probably was just like oh I agree with these things, and that you know okay, that's so just it's, the, the words he li- lived by. The outs, okay. So it's the outside of the mall. I kept it, I kept visualizing the inside of a mall, for some reason. But so I read the graffiti in the bathroom stall, like the holy scriptures of a shopping mall. I, I so pictured the like, actual bathroom inside the mall. Yeah. So is it realizing that people around you have the same viewpoint of the world as a whole, and kind of internalizing and understanding those viewpoints and realizing that not a lot of people have a lot of hope either. Yeah, I think he's it didn't connecting say with those much. people. It didn't say much as a whole, but it confirmed that it's just like, like life is shit, essentially. Not to sound horrible, but like... The general so, consensus is that you're going mm-hmm. towards an ending, and there's really... <laughs> oh, man, we got a finger so, wag. Got a so, finger wag over there. So the center of the Earth is the end of the world. So maybe the center of the Earth, because America is considered a first-world country, that's the end of the world, you know? Like, there's nothing on top of it or better to go to. You know, that's just where you're going to end up in the end. <laughs> I'm leaving. 
<laughs> I no, trust me, I didn't understand that line until now. It's just like, well, what does that mean? What is the center of the earth? That's and why is it the end of the world? I love about this album review series is we all do our individual research, but until we get together and actually discuss things, none of the grand realizations come out. It's like kind of like activates here. I think it might be the alcohol too, but it also activates here. <laughs> that definitely helps. Bit. Definitely helps. Yeah. And definitely the all the other interpretations from you two kind of connect helps the dots. Me, yeah, make a realization. Yeah. Hey, I, so while we have a moment, I just wanted to shout out um, the Melly Mel's followed us on Twitch. That's that's pretty cool. Oh, we got to get Streamlabs so we can so we can see this shit. Melly Mel's. Oh, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah, we've had uh, we've had four people watching us the whole time, so that's uh, that's really cool. We really appreciate you guys uh, following along with us and going down this rabbit hole. Let us know if 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 you have any comments or whatever. Let us uh, let us know in the chat. We are all watching it individually, so I'm sure one of us will respond at least. <clears throat> yep, I've been paying attention. Yeah, I've so. I've got it up. It's it's right 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 there right there. I see it. I seen it. I seen it. With my own eyes. I love you, bitch. <laughs> I never gonna stop <laughs> loving you, bitch. Oh my god. <laughs> those are those ice cream you truck noises. Better not have no here? other brothers. <laughs> two of my brothers. You two are my brothers. All right. From another mother. That's right. We in this together. <laughs> <laughs> where the hell did we leave off <laughs> we, we left at the center of the earth okay oh yeah it's a parking lot in case you're wondering yeah. so again center of the earth it's there's a lot of pressure it's very hot as well it's fiery it's not a good environment to be in you know one could argue that you know politics and social clashes and gets heated it gets very heated, you know, so <laughs> a little bit of double meaning there as well. And you could say America is the melting pot of the earth. Mm, you <laughs> might have just uncovered something else there, Max. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing Fuck makes my you. heart happier than making you upset that I'm blowing your mind. <laughs> <laughs> That's really what this, this series is, is just make Ryan upset about... Music he likes. About musical things. <laughs> <laughs> musical things that I have a passion for. <laughs> Drink alcohol and make Ryan upset. What, what more could you ask for? Uh, that's, we're going to get a Netflix series, and that's going to be the name. <laughs> Pitch it to him. <laughs> Here's the deal. We just drink a lot and piss this guy off. 50 grand 100 grand we'll, we'll refer you to TLC they might, might take your pitch <laughs> come on we can't have a half hour time slot house hunters has like 8 hours every day Chip and Joanna Gaines confront the bill okay I was just I was just gonna mention them Jesus <laughs> 
The oh. property bros. Yeah. Woo! Oh. Well, you know what? Okay, well. I don't care if you guys don't care, okay? That's, that's all I'm going to say. You could say that at least 12 times, and I still wouldn't care. Yeah. Some would say even 13 times. Yeah, I was going to say 13. <laughs> 13, yeah, I missed one. Damn it. Remy's got to teach me how to count. <laughs> uh, but and yeah, that, that is like... the next section here. Is is I don't care if you don't. 13 times. Probably one of the minutes that I took off for the radio edit. Yeah. Yeah, right. Honestly, Just cut yeah. that out. They probably went from no one really seems to care to the last elongated I don't care. Mm-hmm. The fact that he felt it important to include that in the actual recording of the song makes me think that he really does not care. So one what? might say. What is it that he doesn't care about, though? That's what I want to hear from you guys. Yeah, I, I have my own opinion, but I want to hear what you guys have to say. Everyone's so. F- I d- I just feel like he doesn't care what people in his hometown think about him. I mean, because if you fast forward, spoiler alert: if you fast forward, everyone's so full of shit, born and raised by hypocrites, hearts recycled but never saved from the cradle to the grave. That's one of so, my favorite lines on the whole album, dude. I love that album. Yeah. Like that, those lines. Um, I mean, I, f- I feel like this is basically him realizing he's an outcast no matter what. And he's starting to hate everything. So he realizes that if he stays, whether he stays or leaves, nobody's going to like him. Um, everyone's so full of shit, born and raised by hypocrites. I, I feel like he's saying people are taught from a young age to be something that's appealing to others. So they're full of shit. So they're, they're, they're projecting a personality that is appealing to the general population, uh, regardless of what they hold inside. And children are Mm -hmm. taught to act a certain way in public and follow their parents, but their home life contradicts those teachings who is who is the you in that though who is the you and i don't care if you don't just who's who's that you the general population i think that's just i think that's anybody yeah okay i think it's just i think it's just him screaming to the world you know to anybody who will listen Um, in a way, I think it's also re- the people that he grew up with as well. Where yeah. he, the people he or grew his, up his with, posse. and then his posse and his parents, <laughs> the the PP, if you will, <laughs> very very large PP, large PP. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. The the PP explains the ego. Well, the people he grew up with, and then his parents too. <laughs> that that goes mm-hmm. into the the um. The second line there, born and raised by hypocrites. He he doesn't care both his friends and, and family. You know, people that are saying, Oh, you should do this or you should do this and go here and whatever, but 
at the same time, they're hypocritical about it and they don't do it. And right. I don't know. It's, it, it's I don't know. It, it, you could take it really deep, but I, I don't think it's that deep. I think that based on how this song is broken down, there's five different parts, right? I want to say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This, yep, this, this central part, this is, the, this is now the third part of the song, right? Yep. And I think this is like the true, this is the, this is the turning point. This is the anger. This is the frustration. This is just getting it all out where I'm totally done with this shit and, and I'm going to do something about it. You know, I don't care anymore. I don't care if you don't care. And everyone is so full of shit. It literally says that. Like, I'm, I'm done. I'm, Everyone's just mm-hmm. full of I'm shit. not going to be a hypocrite about it. I'm not going to say I'm going to do something and not do it. I'm actually going to make a change for once. I think that's where we've come to. Well, what do you guys get from hearts recycled but never saved? Um, do you have any notes on that? I think it's about um, perhaps like friendships within like your neighborhood or school or whatever. But like it, it keeps recycled, but it's not like you're actually, I don't know, maybe saving them as a close friend. I'm not entirely sure. Well, what I got from that, so hearts recycled. So. Or you're you're so, brought down, but you're not whole again, you know, because you're when you recycle something. Yeah. It was from the personality, resemblance, and teachings of your parents lives on in you even after they die. So the hearts are recycled. So when you're brought up, what your parents' passions, your parents', you know, personality, whatever is in their heart is passed on to you, but it's not their own interpretation of it is not continued. So they recycle your stuff so it's newly found. So you have your own interpretation of what was in their heart, mm-hmm. but their own iteration of it disappears at death. Right. That that carbon copy or whatever their exact ambitions and feelings were, they're in a way, they're almost like lost on you, right? They're right. They're recycled. There's a little bit that's in there, but it's not exactly the but same. But it's not the exact thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's like melting down a can and making a new can. It's not the same can, but it resembles. Mm-hmm. And to take that a step further, too, from earlier in the song, the the line it says, "Home is where your heart is," but what a shame. Again, that the heart theme comes back up where heart is, it's your home, but then also, again, what your life and your, your, your life's ambitions and your dreams are as well. That I think that's where the heart is being personified multiple times in this song now. Where, right. Mm-hmm, again, the heart of that- what your dreams and your, your goals in life are, they're recycled in you, like you said, Ryan, but it's not exactly the same. It's, it's not the same thing. Right, and that, but what a shame could be 
the heart is recycled, but you don't necessarily agree with what is in that heart. So mm-hmm. you have recycled beliefs and feelings, but you're slightly modifying them because they're not exactly how you feel. Right. I I think that's pretty fair just in general, too. I don't think that's specific to this case where we probably take a lot of the different morals and values that were taught, but then we shift and morph them into our own ambitions in life right like our parents could Absolutely. be our parents could be really dead set on doing x right but we see that ambition and we're like wow that's really admirable but i want to use that same knowledge and put it towards why you know the thing that i really like and there's nothing wrong with that right. but it's true it's very true i think that's well i think and, that's why a lot of us as kids kind of felt this though you know, our parents wanted to do yeah. something that they wanted to do, um, you know, with the money and the amount of experience they have, they, they're still sodding after something. And we're just like, well, I, I don't want to grow up to be that. I want to grow up to be this, you know? Right. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, I can shadow that because I took my dad's teachings, you know, as far as cooking and craftsmanship and what have you and kind of expanded upon it i mean you don't want to just live your life exactly the way your teacher did you want to kind of make it your own Mm -hmm. be an individual right exactly 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 so that I guess that part of the song has a lot of a lot of life lessons, which I feel like the entire album does, but that in particular is mm-hmm. be your instructors, but be yourself at the same time. Yep. Yep. Always be an individual if you can. Let's let's keep it moving. Keep her moving here. <laughs> keep her moving. Keep her moving. Um after that we go into more um Anaheim in the Middle East, we have the stories and disciples of the Jesus of Suburbia. So I wanted to touch on that briefly because the story that is being told here that the Jesus of Suburbia, so Billy Joel's rendition of his childhood or or whatever, this over-exaggerated um, story, I think is applicable to a lot of different people or people feel themselves in this type of situation a lot. So they're touching on this, um, this story and saying that, hey, I understand that a lot of people are feeling this way. But then, again... It goes back to the whole theme of I don't care where I don't know. I don't know if it's a reinforcement of what was said already or if it's just saying that I don't care if we all feel the same way or not. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure. Um. 
so we are the kids of the of war and peace. I my note was that kids of our generation are being brought up in a society that goes back and forth between the two and had and that has just become the norm. Mm-hmm. There's always conflict and then we stop the conflict and everybody gets along. Then there's more conflict. And it could be it could be militarized war, it could be war between citizens, it could be war between the two branches of the government. I mean, we have to remember that this album is 17 years old. Context matters, yeah. Yeah, so the generational context is huge. I mean, we didn't have Facebook fueling the two sides of the spectrum. We didn't have as many, you know, live talk show hosts throwing out opinions. I mean, it's... At that time, we truly were just a product of a society that went back and forth between conflict and agreement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I don't know. In a way, it's a little bit lost on the times, I think, where putting that these these lyrics in context and what was happening is a bit difficult. But I do think that it's still relevant. Um, right. Yeah, I guess. I. Mm. Go ahead. Yeah. I did have a hard time as I was doing this research and listening to the songs, remembering that this is an old album and they're not talking about, you know, current events. So placing myself back in the 2004 world was not easy. Mm-mm. Especially I mean, since most of the, we were pretty young at the time. Yeah, most of the things that I listen to now, I just, my brain goes, oh, that's what's happening right now. So I had to actively disconnect myself from, you know, mm-hmm. current society. And that's. And think of what was going on back then. Yeah. And that's the beauty of it, too, is that even though this was written much, much earlier where we are at now, you can draw the parallels, too, right? It's like, right. wow, this is very, very similar. Like, I'm picking on a lot of themes that are happening right now. And that's what makes it so great, is my, in my opinion, is that it, it is, it, it, you can, it's applicable no matter what time you look at it. it. It transcends generations, essentially. Yeah. It was almost a, the the theme of this album is almost foreshadowing to what was going to happen. I mean, in a way, yeah. The mental health aspects of it and the, you know, the alienation from society, that's not that's not time specific. I mean, that's something that has continued and mm. happened before this album took place. Right? Hmm. <laughs> I'm trying to collect my thoughts on this next part here. The song is it's very difficult to break down just because of how long it is. It is mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. nine minutes long. Nine minutes and eight seconds. Yep. We're like over an hour and a half. 
deep. Yeah. <laughs> well. Well, we've been talking about by this point. Go ahead. I was gonna say we've been talking about this song for about an hour, but it I do think that it's well deserved because of how oh, absolutely how long it is. Yep. I mean, this and is the song was, that's the length of three songs, if not four. Right. And I would hope that anybody listening at this point is either looking up the song or is so you know, enthralled in the complexity of it that they're not really paying attention to what we're doing, you know? I mean, <laughs> you can't really put a timestamp on good musical dissection. Mm-hmm. In a way, it is a little bit of, like, poetry hour <laughs> where mm-hmm. we're, we're breaking down Because, po- I mean, that's what songs are, right? It's poetry with music attached to it. Right. Um, but... It is, it's, it's great stuff. It's great stuff. And until you sit down and talk about it, I, I don't think you have the appreciation that you would otherwise. Well, and that's true because even doing the research for this prior to this episode, I thought I was diving way deep into the whole album, but now I'm even deeper. I mean, just hearing your guys' opinions and... It's crazy. Like it's it's mm-hmm. almost endless how deep you can dive into an album if everybody has a liking for it. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And I think um I think Billy Joe definitely has a knack for not only double meanings but just um allowing himself to put his whole not only his life but just his feelings, you know, on a pen and paper and that allows the listener to get so much more replay value and connection to his lyrics and his songs. Right. He knows how to connect with the the uh, the audience. Mm-hmm. So, do you guys have anything else you'd like to add to this song? We're we're kind of at the end. I didn't really write a whole lot about the end of this song because i i think that in a way it's a little self-explanatory and we we talked about it a lot already where the end of the song is is literally them running away from the suburbs and going to the city or they're running away from the stuff that they've known where i don't know they again they don't care anymore and they're they're leaving and that's pretty much right. what I came up with, and I'm curious if you guys have anything that's a little bit deeper out of the last part. I have, mm. I have quite a few notes, surprisingly, for part four and part five. Oh boy! Um, All right, here we go. Um, so starting out on the first two words of this part, "dearly beloved." So after I started doing this research. When I heard Dearly Beloved, I immediately thought of the Prince song where he starts with Dearly Beloved. So Interesting. in this nice. song, he in this song, is he now becoming the literal Jesus of suburbia? Like, I see Dearly Beloved as almost an introduction to a congregation. Because in what? 
like a like a wedding like like dearly beloved we are gathered here today yeah so it's dearly beloved he's addressing a congregation Mm -hmm. so and then you tie into are we demented or am i disturbed is that maybe a shot at organized religion is everyone living the same lie or does he believe that he is actually a leader like is this the beginning of his delusion I think it goes back to the overall view of America and like the groupthink mentality of people going along with the the common theme where it it's again right. referencing that everybody is willing to just believe things at face value and maybe not take it a step further and and think about it on a deeper level or or maybe beloved is what's her name Mm. You you shut up mm. over there. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> it's just a theory, but you know. That's just a theory. <laughs> a music theory. Oh. Minor fifths. Um <laughs> Cause like what if like um you know he's trying to get our attention? Um, but he also doesn't really care about what she thinks. You know, can't remember a word that you're saying. Dearly beloved. But. Yeah. Sorry. Um, if he is living on the streets, dearly beloved could be anyone that he meets because he's so disconnected from the normal society that anyone he meets could be a friend true true so is he speaking to anyone in particular or is he just speaking i don't know i another that's another thing i think that could be interpreted towards um a personal relationship you know with so-called what's her name or it could be just towards society as a whole you know, are we are we de- de- demented or am I disturbed? Again, it could be him saying, you know, am I the disturbed one in relationship or am I the disturbed one in in the society? Am I the outcast? But we demented could be, are we like the demented type of people compared to everyone else? Right. Again. So then, the space that's in between insane and insecure. My original note was questioning whether people are actually following him or if he is just delusional brings him a feel of feeling of possible insanity. But if you go to the relationship thing, Mm -hmm. it could be a, you know, borderline restraining order requirement or him being in the relationship, but not feeling like she's reciprocating the attachment yeah maybe i'm i'm just i'm more thinking yeah like the relationship side where the space that's in between insane and insecure that's just a description of their the type of relationship they have you know they're they're both insecure about themselves but they're also kind of crazy and they don't care about what anyone thinks so they kind of just go with it well and going to the fact that at this point, it's assumed that Jesus of Suburbia is living on the streets. Um, it could be something to do with the fact that 
what's her name, quote unquote, is bouncing around between people, maybe just trying to get social interaction, but the main character feels like she's seeking feelings or, you know, love from other people. Well, I'll be honest with you guys, you kind of lost me. <laughs> yeah, I, I I I can't comprehend anything more than than that on that line, to be honest. My my mental capacity oh, from this show is is slowly dropping. <laughs> my my elite is about to come on. I know my car, but <laughs> I think it's about to get pretty pretty close to empty soon. I gotta stop at that quick trip. I need some gas. I need that top tier gas. AKA Nuclearis. Well, I will uh I'll I'll throw in the white flag then. I have a lot more notes. So Well alright, hold on. Okay. If you could summarize your notes, let Let's let's hear it here. We're almost at so, two hours on the recording. We gotta be succinct here on songs one and two. Let's we can do this. I, I believe. So let I me believe. so part five, Tales from Another Broken Home. Let me just read my notes quick and I'll see if I can get a Cliff Notes version. But overall I think once we get towards the uh the rest of the album where the songs are, you know, three, four minutes should be a little bit easier to get through. Right. Most of the songs. I, I think this could be done in a four part again, just because it's going to be almost as deep as hybrid theory in a way. Mm-hmm. So I think, um, I think four parts is probably what's going to be no. just because the last four, the last part is going to be probably just homecoming. And what's, what's her name? Right. We do okay. get relatively so, deep on this. So. The last part on Jesus of Suburbia. Um, he's alive, but he isn't living his... He's alive, but he isn't living his full life. Uh, he just decided to get out while he can. Uh, he's leaving the fake you... Or fake him behind. Um, everything he believed in was taken away by the town. He has now chosen to forget. Um... He is fleeing from a town inhabited by people that seem to enjoy the pain of normalcy and conformity. Uh, he's walked the line, but not this time. He con- has considered this path and decision over and over, but has always turned back. But this time there's no turning back. I don't feel any shame. He doesn't regret leaving, but he because he had no escape from the pain and hatred that he experienced. Thank you, my dude. That's... that's... That's really it, right? This is the, like I mentioned before, um, in the third part, it's like, all right, I'm leaving, I'm getting out of here. But this part is like the definitive thought of actually leaving. Like you said, I've walked this line a million and one fucking times, but not this time, right? I've thought about this. I've thought about it Mm -hmm. over and over again. Planned it out. I planned it out. I'm ready to leave. I'm ready to get out of here. And I've never done anything about it. But not this time. This is the time right. that I finally do it, right? I'm out of here. Yep. It's just like, peace out, Girl Scout, you know? 
Yeah. All right. Well, I feel like we covered the first two songs quite well. Obviously, song number two was the, the real workload. But Numero dos. It was a right. lot, man. It's, it's a lot to unpack. And I'm happy that we spent so much time on the second song, though, because it really sets the stage for the rest of the album. The the first and second yep. songs are are extremely important, so I, I'm happy that we spent a little little extra time on it. Yep, I yeah. agree. It's it's the 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 prologue, if you will. Mm-hmm. It is it is a little bit of a prologue if we want to go back to that rock opera terminology. Right. All right. Well. I think we should sign off for tonight. I agree. I agree. I'm I'm hungry, man. I got to get something to eat. All right. It's been real. <laughs> Added that closing music in. We. Hey, there it is. There it is. All right. Well, yeah. Deuces. This is how we close it out. <laughs> <laughs> it's been so long, I don't remember. I don't know. It goes It goes along the lines of, well, thank you for listening to the Muddled Thoughts podcast. Once again, um, I'm Ryan. <laughs> I'm Max. And I'm Zach. <laughs> uh, we'll be... Take we'll her be easy. A, keep, keep her moving. <laughs> keep her glasses full. Don't be dumb. Don't be a simp. <laughs> we'll be a we'll be a more well-oiled machine next time, I promise. Also, um, thanks to the uh, we got up to five listeners or watchers on the Twitch stream. So um, I think I think it's awesome that we're getting such a good viewership already. Um, For the first stream that we absolutely. did on Twitch, dude. The first stream we had five people watching. Yeah, we far exceeded our audience on Facebook. So we appreciate everyone that decided to uh, to click on our stream and hear what we have to say. Uh, sometimes we get a little deep, maybe a little too deep, giggity, but <laughs> we appreciate you listening <laughs> nonetheless. Thank you for following along. So, All right. uh, yeah. Well, until next time, everybody, uh, keep it real. Don't be dumb. And uh, I look forward to the next episode, guys. This was fun. Yes, it was. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye.